So we are in what's called the Olivet Discourse. And I will just tell you, uh, chapter 25 doesn't get any easier. It doesn't get, it doesn't get a lick easier. And the last few verses of chapter 25 are just as condemning for all of us as this one is in particular to preachers. Because we're using that word servants. Uh, so you know what he's talking? You know who this is to? This is to church members. This sermon is to, to church members, individuals, heads of household, to preachers, deacons, and elders in the church. That's who it's addressed to. So the Olivet Discourse, we are in the return of Christ. This is the eighth message, and it's the last message, the second message on being ready. We're going to begin to look at verse 48, and we will finish it this morning. The Lord will. So we looked at the faithful and wise servant. Uh, Let me just tell you, that's the camp you want to be identified in. Somebody say amen. When somebody speaks about you and they say, oh yeah, they go to Maranatha Baptist Church, the next word you'd want to hear from that person, and they are so faithful to their Lord and to their church. Okay? That's what you'd want to hear from somebody describing you. So we looked at that, the, the, the faithful and the wise servant. Well, this morning we take an absolutely different turn, and we're looking at that turn, the wicked servant. All right, verse 48. But if that wicked servant says to himself, this is how it always begins, my master is delayed. Okay? They just begin to think, well, he, he's delayed. The next step is to think what? He's not coming back. And when that happens, we are turned loose to all kinds of imaginations. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master's delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. Now tell me if that doesn't lend itself to a pretty difficult message. O oh Lord, bless and do with this scripture and me with this morning and these your people what you see fit to do. Let's go back and review just a little bit uh, what we looked at last week. So verse 45 says, who then? So you're going to need to look in your text because you don't have the text in your outline, but you've got it right there next to your outline as you're open to Matthew chapter 24. Look at verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? So the Lord's the master. All right? All Christians are his servants. All church members are servants of the the master. The servants are stewards that the Lord, the master, has left in charge. What? While he's gone. It's pretty clear. And we continue to keep watching and being ready. 
So last week, we began to look at the wise and faithful servant. Last week, we looked at that faithful and wise servant. What's he doing? He's anticipating and looking for his Lord's return. In contrast to this week, the wicked servant that says, My master has delayed his coming. That's what separates the two. So the picture of the two servants shows us what it means to be ready. Really. You know when you're ready? You're ready when you're doing what the, the master has left you to do. To grow in the Lord, to head to heaven, to take your wife and your kids and all those around you with you to heaven. You know you're on the right camp when that's your goal. To go to heaven and to take everybody you can with you. Listen, guys, men in particular, you need to hear this. That is a man's highest calling, to know the Lord, to become a follower of the Lord, and to take his wife and his kids with him on that trip to the celestial city. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to read Pilgrim's Progress. It is a killer book. It is, he is obviously almost too smart for me. Because of all the allegories. It is a wonderful book. So, two servants. It also shows us the drastic difference in where the two servants are going to end up. One in charge of everything that the Lord has. And the other one in a burning hell. The good servant is over a household. And I told you last week, and just quickly in review, in case you weren't here, I see this as a steward. A steward is someone who serves as an administrator or overseer of something that belongs to someone else. This church belongs to the Lord. Amen? He has put Tom and Pablo and I as overseers over it. We have a master. That master is the Lord himself. And he has left us in charge as he did the apostles until he comes back. Now tell me we don't need your prayers. Look at me. Do we need your prayers? We have a tremendous responsibility. Amen? A tremendous responsibility. So, I told you last week, we have a responsibility for our own souls. There's only one thing about me that's eternal. That's my soul. Everything else is going to... Go to dust. My soul is eternal. We have responsibilities. Men do. Single moms do. Household leaders do. Over the souls of the household. That they're bringing up to know the Lord. And this surely is speaking of elders, pastors in the church. Stewards of God's church. That's what we're talking about. So, let's investigate just a bit closer. That servant has his place. We have our place of service. Amen? Do you know what that is? Where are you serving? In your home? Where are you serving in your church? Where are you serving in your community? We have a place of service. And we are about doing what God has left us to do. This servant was faithful. I'm telling you. Uh, I, I, if anybody has been to see Mr. Lois, and they have described to the nurses 
okay? Who she is, I promise you, they're always going to use that word faithful. So a servant of the Lord, in whatever capacity, is faithful, he is wise. Listen, he is making good decisions for himself, are y'all with me? His household, and for his church. And I want to tell you, every day it gets more and more difficult to make the right decision. Because let me tell you why. Because every day that you make the right decisions, there are more and more, including your family, that is offended by that decision. He is faithful, he's wise, he's doing what the office requires. Men, there is something that the Lord requires of every man to raise those that he's responsible for to know the Lord. And I want to tell you, you know why men are struggling in America? They haven't been called to their higher calling. Their spiritual calling. I'm telling you, that's why men are struggling in America. Number three, that servant will be rewarded. Did y'all hear that last week? Look at verse 47. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. I don't know what that's going to look like. I know what it looks like here. Do you know what a man who is responsible, well responsible for his own soul? Do you know what a man that's responsible, well responsible for his wife and his kids, you know what he's going to end up doing in the church? He's going to have a leadership position in the church because he's proven himself individually and in the family. And I want to tell you, that is a qualification. We looked at it slightly last week. That is what qualifies a man to lead in the church. He's taking care of his own business. He's taking care of the spiritual business of his family. That and that, I'm telling you, that that is a qualification that makes him fit for service in his church. So he'll be rewarded. Uh, The scripture teaches he'll be called out publicly. Did you know when a man's called to a teaching or leadership position in the the church? That's a public calling out. People recognize his leadership in privately and in his family. Not only will he be called out publicly, he'll be blessed. He'll be blessed. And number three, he will be rewarded with more authority. So, we're just catching up on this scripture. Verse 44, Therefore you must also be ready. It's right there in front of you. Therefore you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour. You do not expect Him. Mark 13, 33, you've got it. It says, Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Listen to me. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it ought to surprise us. I mean, the sudden of us, we're going, we're, you know what you're going to say? It's happening. But as far as anything else, it's going to catch us off guard. It's, going to, it's, it's got to catch us off guard. So be on your guard. Keep awake. Verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? You see that? Give them food? You are, you are to feed your own soul. 
by the graces of God, by the Word of God, by prayer, the assembling it together. Listen to me. Individuals are responsible to get themselves where the graces of God is being extended to them. Y'all with me? There's all kinds of graces. The reading of the Scripture, prayer, uh, the preaching of God's Word, corporate prayer, fellowshipping together, working together. The more that we can be around the assembly, the more of those graces that are being extended to us. They're graces. There are things that God's given us to nourish the soul. To give them food. You know, that's what Paul, uh, Tom and Pablo and I are responsible for? To feed the sheep. I, it's, it's really nice to go to the hospital and see babies or go to the hospital when somebody's sick. Or all those kind of things. But you know what, he, what we're here for? We're here to feed the sheep. I don't know how long it's been since you've been around a, a flock of sheep or a herd of goats or a herd of cows, but especially in this hot, dry weather, I promise you, all you've got to do is rustle the feed sack. Y'all with me? And they're doing what? All right. Are you church members listening? When the feed sack is rustled, and the Word of God is being taught or preached, come on now, the people ought to come what? And if you don't come running, one of those graces that is being extended, you're saying, I don't need it. Verse 46, Blessed is that servant whom his fast... Master will find so doing when he comes. Listen, all you got to do when the boss comes back from break is being doing what he left you to do. That's all you got to do. If you're doing anything other than that, you'll be his boss in a few days. Just be doing what the Lord left you to do. Be a follower of Jesus, working in his church, trying to get others to heaven. Verse 47, Truly I say to you, he will be set over all his possessions. Luke 12 42 through 44. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. That's just the companion verse. So this teaches us, listen, there's not many of those folks around. Let me say it again. This teaches us the work is so specific, specific, and there's things that are left to do. Just think about how many people do you know that are doing it? Feeding their own soul, feeding the souls of their wives and children, and doing all they can to feed the souls of the people in the church. How many people do you know are doing that? Are you doing that? If not, you've missed your higher calling. And all that other busy stuff you're trying to do, it won't do what? It won't satisfy. And the satisfaction that it does is just temporary. Now, 
This, in my estimation, is referring to three people. The individual and his soul, the head of the house and their souls, and the ministers in the church. We are ministers of our own souls. We are ministers, prophets, priests, and kings in the family. There are ministers in the local church. Listen, and those are the people you want to be identified with. Amen? And I I want to tell you, this sounds like hard, burdensome work, does it not? It is work, but it won't be hard and burdensome because what did he say about his yoke? It's easy. It's easy when you're trying to do it the Lord's way. Just keep that in mind. All right, let's get into the passage for the day. Verse 48. But if that wicked servant says to himself, I'm telling you, I read this scripture, and I'm amazed. I'm amazed that anybody could go from even being a professed follower of Jesus to this extreme. Are y'all with me? This This just says how far, how quick we can go down that slide... We're not when we're not devoted followers of Jesus. Let me read it carefully. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour he does not know. Wow. If that servant, church member, proves an evil servant, an apostate. They were never believers. And what that person has has done, they have presumed that the Lord's not going to come back. This is, this has, y'all look at me, please. This has to be what people are doing. They put out of their mind that there will ever be a judgment. That's the only way they can do this. Just have to absolutely put out of their mind that everybody will one day stand before God in judgment. And that person becomes a persecutor of my people. And an evil person Did you hear that language? Beat his fellow servants. He says, I'll come unawares and destroy that person. They will have a place with unbelievers. All right? They were servants, they were church members, but when they show themselves to be apostate, they will have their final place with who? What's it say? Unbelievers. I told you, this is hard. In 
And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. Here, Christ is teaching His apostles and those who He has left in charge. He's teaching us. It's whatever was going on within, then with the apostles still goes on today. Just this week, I've heard about two different pastorates, both of them in Arkansas. One, illegal hunting, trespassing on somebody's property, and drinking. I heard about another pastor that's been at a church for 20 years embezzling money from that church all along. It happens all the time. It's still happening today. And you know what? Me and all other preachers ought to to be praying, Oh Lord, before that becomes me, just take me out of here. Don't let me be an embarrassment to you, my wife, my kids, or my church. Just take me out of here. So after he ascended to heaven, until his return, he's left what? He's left us what? In in charge. We're his servants. He, He didn't leave the world. He left his church in charge. He he left you in charge. He then pointedly teaches us that not all ministers will have the well-being of the sheep at heart. You know know what my greatest concern when somebody leaves here and moves somewhere else? the church they're going to find. Ministers that turn out to be persecuted, persecutors of the true true believer. Men who would be about personal gain and and being seen. You remember all those 13 woes in, in chapter 23? Woe, you scribes and Pharisees, what they want to be? They wanted to be seen and heard. They wanted to have personal gain. Well, we're all susceptible to that because we're men. That's why we need prayed for. If you don't hear me this morning, I'm begging you to pray for me and Tom and Pablo, Bob and Nella, Lewis and Laura, uh, Jimmy, uh, Paul, uh, Russ, all of, all of us that teach, pray for us that God would keep us. This has proved to be the case throughout the ages. And by this parable, Jesus is teaching that those left in charge of his flock, are y'all with me, have a serious responsibility. Men, You have a serious responsibility over the souls of your wife and your children. I don't know at judgment whether he's going to say, Bruce, what did you do with this woman? 
what did you do with these girls? Or, Bruce, what did you do this, with this church? I don't know which one he's going to bring up first. The serious responsibility to be a... Y'all with me? What's that word he uses? Servant. It's a serious responsibility to take on the name of servant. Of the master. A servant of the Lord. Wow! Did you know there are few people that could be called servants of the Lord? You're one of them. And, and, and it doesn't matter if you're 7, 8, 10, or 90. When you become a follower of Jesus, you're a servant of the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is your master. There will be many loose, lost, and corrupt individual heads of households, members in the church, elders, pastors, ministers in the last days. I'm telling you, I don't know how many. There, there's Every day, there is some celebrated Christian musician or, or pastor that caves in on homosexuality. You, you know what I'm talking about? Every day, one of those people go to the place that, that homosexuals, any uh, adulterers, can be good members of the church in good standing. You know why? Because they want to be popular in the people's eyes and they're people pleasers rather than God pleasers. That's happening every day. And so what I see from the scripture, when you cave in on those issues, that person may never beat their fellow servants, but they surely won't have... Let me tell you, anybody that caves in the, the truth of God's word is not looking out for your soul. Just remember, if you really love me, and you see me sinning, how do I know you love me? You're going to tell me. Same way for you. The book I'm reading just spent a whole chapter on 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know? Do you not know these will not inherit the kingdom of God? But you know what we're saying when we cave into homosexuality? We're saying that's not true. We're, 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 we're sentencing them to an eternity in hell and not calling them to repentance. Listen, if you don't know Vody Bachman, Bachum, Bachum, did I get it right that time? Okay. You need to get to know him. I do pray. I've been, I've been thinking about who's going to be the evangelical spokesman for America. And man, I, I think God may be raising up that man to be that. Speaks the truth. Listen, you know a man loves you when it's hard to tell you the truth. But he tells you anyway. Pray for him. Listen, he's about six seven, and is a mountain of a man. So he could go looking for a fight. 
I don't think he goes looking for a fight. But I'll tell you, when the fight comes, he's ready. He's ready with God's Word. He's ready with the truth. Jesus then shows his severity against these ministers. Verse 51, And will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. Tell me the people that uh, uh, Jesus Christ had the harshest words for, those Pharisees and scribes and those other people. Hypocrites. That's not the camp we want to be found in. Amen? Matthew 13, 42, And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. Matthew 25, 30, And cast the worthless servant. Look, if... Only in America today could you be a worthless employee and still have a job. I'm telling you, if you just show up on Monday, show up most days and show up to give you a check, you can hold a job. And and I'm, I'm telling you, if you're willing to do your job plus just a little more, don't take a don't take a nap for two or three days. They'll make you the boss. Listen to me. Worthless servant. You don't want to be in that camp. He says they'll be put into outer darkness. What would a worthless servant look like? He's not taking care of his own business. Come on now. He's not, men, I'm, I'm trying to put you on to something here. When you begin to take care of the souls of your family, you're going to find a contentment that men in America has not had for a couple hundred years. There's no contentment outside for men, women, or children who are followers of Jesus. There's no contentment without being a good servant of the Master. Tell me, tell me what everybody's trying. <laughs> in America, just name it, we've tried it. How's it working out? Somebody that works in a college told me this week, he said, our young people are so confused. They are so depressed. He said, it is pathetic. Most of them are medicated with no direction in mind. No thought of who they are, where they're going. Let me tell you whose fault that is. Mama and Daddy. The case of all persons that live secure and sensual and fleshly lives because judgment has not speedily been executed, will one day be frightened in unbelief. Are you with me? Just because we say He's not coming does not mean what? That He's not coming. He's coming. The case of these servants will be dreadful. And when they are done, wow! They will not escape the eternal damnation of hell. 
Those who betray the trust given to them and lead many astray will not escape the severest of damnation. So last week, we looked at the wise servant. And I'll be glad when we get through looking at the evil servant. But we're going to look at it. So first, we have the way that this wicked servant is described by God's Word. Verse 48, look at it. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, the first thing that happens is that servant says, well, he's been delayed. Maybe he's not coming back. The next step is he's not coming back. And listen, when there's no fear of the Lord, there's no fear of judgment, guess what we're turned loose to? Whatever the flesh might dream. Verse 49, and begins to beat his fellow servant. I'm, I'm, I, I tell you, every time I read this scripture in the last, how many, how many months have I been reading this? This just amazes me that this person would go to the place of beating his fellow servants and eating and drinking with drunkards. When, when, when we are turned loose, somebody say amen, when we are turned loose, when the Lord takes His hand off of us, tell me what we are capable of. Anything. The vilest creature is a wicked man. The vilest of those wicked men is a wicked Christian, quote, really a hypocrite, parading about as a Christian. That's wicked. The most wicked are lost fathers and ministers who are not feeding the flock. What is supposedly the best when it becomes corrupted is the worst. We don't want to go there. Jeremiah 23, 14. But in the prophets of Jerusalem, I've seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. Who's he talking about? The prophets of where? You've got it right there in front of you. The prophets of Jerusalem, I've seen a horrible thing. They do what? Commit adultery, walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me and inhabitants like Gomorrah. If that happened in Jeremiah's time, tell me it can't happen today. It can happen today. We're still talking about men. Jeremiah 23, 21, I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. So what caused the wickedness? They said he was returning, but they really didn't believe it. Let me just ask you. In your heart of hearts, in your privacy, do you really think he's coming back again? Do you really believe that? Okay. Yeah. That's pretty important. <laughs> huh? That's pretty important. Because when we get to the place we don't believe that, we're headed in which direction? The wrong direction. The, doc the doctor kept saying about Mr. Lois up until Wednesday last week he said we're just not going in the right direction 
There's got to be a turn, right? He says, my master is delayed. He begins to think the master is delayed. And then he begins to think he's just not coming back. Christ knows what we're thinking and what we say. Do you hear that? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You're in good company. Somebody say say amen. You're in good company when you're doing the will of the Father. Loving Him, serving Him, loving your neighbor, serving your neighbor, being really involved in your local church, you're doing a good thing. There are people who cry, Lord, Lord, but they don't know Jesus. They don't love Him. They don't love His people. They don't love the church. That does not define a servant of the Lord, does it? Secondly, even the Lord's delay is gracious. Isn't it? Okay, so we're going to look at 1 Peter 3 next week. You know why he hadn't come back yet? There's still some that are not of his that are yet to become his. Are you with me? He's being gracious. But when he's being gracious towards those who are going to be brought into the kingdom, those that are not his turn to wickedness. It's gracious towards one group, right? It's really a sentence of damnation to the other group. Even the Lord's delay is gracious towards those who are being saved, but it's always abused. Did you hear me? Abused by the wicked. Ecclesiastes 8.11. We're in Ecclesiastes. Isn't that a great little book? Uh, it's a great little book. And I was so refreshed yesterday, I believe. We were looking at dates and, and times of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and all that literature. And, and uh, Matthew Henry said this about Solomon. He said, he, he said in his later days, he repented and became a wise man again and a follower of the Lord. I, I was, I was, sometimes I wonder about Solomon. I wonder about anybody that would have a thousand wives and how many concubines. I, I wonder about that guy's salvation. But Matthew Henry had said that about, listen to this, Ecclesiastes 8.11. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. That's what's happening with American justice. By the time somebody goes to court and goes to prison, they even forgot what they did. Just because the, the Lord doesn't bring speedy judgment doesn't mean that judgment's not coming. You remember what they said about Moses when he was up on the mountain getting the commandments? You remember what they said? Remember, first of all, they made the golden calf. Then you, you remember those famous words? They said, that man Moses, we don't know what happened to him. Well, so if that's the way they thought about Moses, this flesh and blood guy, surely that's what people sometimes think about God. Where is this God that's coming back again? Where is this Jesus? So how bad was the wickedness? Well, he was charged with persecuting 
his fellow servants, beating them, not caring for and feeding the flock, but persecutors of the flock. He ignored his own spiritual well-being and the well-being of his family and his church. Listen, Paul teaches us throughout God's Word, we are not to lord it over anyone. With my military background, my personality, I would like to whip you into submission. But I'm not to do that. I'm not to lord it over you. I'm to lead by example and encourage you. I'm to be your servant. I'm not to lord it over anyone. I'm not especially. And and this is difficult. Tell me, what do you men tell me? It's not difficult to not lord it over your wife. Tell me it's not difficult to have this type of thumb on your wife. That's what men have a propensity to do. In the flesh, that's what we can surely do. But we're not to lord it over anyone, our wives, our children, our, especially our fellow servants. They're just trying to do it like we're trying to do it. Revelation 19.10, Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We are to consider each other as fellow servants. Number two, it's nothing new for evil people to mistreat others. Are y'all with me? What, What have I always told you guys? Don't expect a lost person to act any way other than like a what? It ought not to surprise you when an unbeliever is mean and ugly. Now, when somebody walks about around talking about being a Christian and going to this church and doing these things and they're ugly, it ought to make you go, really? But lost people are just who they are. They're lost. Guess who, who, who the only person that a lost man's concerned about? There you go. We're selfish. But listen to what the true servant of God says. Revelation 1.9, I, John, your brother and partner in tribulation. He, he's just saying, I'm saying, Tom saying, Pablo is saying, listen, brothers and sisters, we're just part of what we're trying to do here at Maranatha. We're just a part of it. We're just fellow servants. Tribulation, the kingdom, and the patient endurance that are in, in Jesus was on the aisle called Patmos on account of the word of the Lord and the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was being persecuted because he was being a follower of Jesus. It's nothing new for the wicked to act wickedly. This is just what they do. They retaliate, they curse, and they slander people. Secondly, he's charged with drunkenness and immorality. He associates and becomes like the worst of sinners. Psalms 1, 1 and 2, Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He associates himself with people who are not followers of Jesus. Look, it's okay to have acquaintances, but we need to be careful about becoming close associates with unbelievers. That's what the Scripture warns us about. 
Because if we do that, we're likely to become what? Like them. And he speaks in this scripture about drunkenness being a leading wickedness. Verse 49, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. Those who are slaves to alcohol, to drunkenness, to it, and those kind of things are no masters. And they become mean and immoral. So, first of all, we we looked at this wicked servant about what caused the wickedness. And so now we're looking at the doom recorded. What's going to happen to that wicked person? Now, we already know what's going to happen to that servant of the Lord. He's going to be put over all of God's possession. He's going to be called out. He's going to be honored. But what's going to be the doom of that wicked servant? Look at verse 50. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. There's no position over our own souls, over our families, and over our churches that will give us exemption. Listen to me. If you are a servant of the Lord, He has left you in charge. Is that not what this is teaching us? Servants. Listen to me. Uh, I think this would be a good thing for me to say. As servants, we do not have an opt-out mode. You with me? I don't want to take care of my own soul. I don't want to take care of the souls of my family. I don't want to be involved in my local church. Those three things would really prove that we are not servants, but professors only. Would it not? It's not an opt-out. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna coast through life here. <clears throat> God has left us in charge. And being left in charge, when we do not act upon that charge, it brings about greater condemnation. There will be a surprise that will accompany the doom. What that means, uh, the putting off of thinking about His coming will not put off His coming. For those who were appointed to be servants but weren't servants, it will surprise them when the Lord comes. And look, preachers and people may say, peace, peace. But we can't say that when there's rebellion, disobedience, and slothfulness among the people. There's no peace when we're living in sin. There's no peace when we're living outside the will of God. There's no peace when we're not doing what God has left us to do. Why are we here? We're here a short period of time to get ready for heaven. That's what we need to be about doing. And then once we're getting ready for heaven, what what naturally comes behind that? Getting others ready for heaven. Jeremiah 6, 14, they have healed the wound of my people, 
lightly saying peace, peace when there's no peace. That's just like people trying to tell people who are abortionists, uh, same-sex marriage people, homosexuals, transgendering people. Listen, people who are mutilating our young people to tell those people that they can have peace and they're all right with the Lord is nothing but a lie. The Lord is coming. The Lord's coming will be most terrible for careless sinners. And listen to this. Wicked preachers. So I go down that list. Mark 7, 20 through 23. This is what's on the inside. Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, arrogance, slander, folly. Are y'all with me? So I, I, I may get one of those kind of whipped down. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? Are y'all, do you have to deal with any sin? You got to whip it down? It just, it just seems like I get one of them whipped down and the Lord says, well, how about this one? But I'm so glad that he grants us conviction. And not only conviction, but repentance. And, 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 and I got another word for you. The power thereof. You know what that means? He gives us the power to live the life and to whip out those things in our life. It comes with Jesus. Let me read that again. The Lord's coming will be most terrible for careless sinners, hypocrites, and wicked preachers. Can you imagine an eternity in hell As someone that preached God's word and every day men looking at you and saying, why didn't you tell me the truth? I, I think there's a scripture that talks about there will be people who witness against you at judgment. Well, why wouldn't there be people that witness against us in hell? I'm just telling you. I told you this scripture has whipped me all week. And I'm trying my best not to whip you this morning. If you get a whooping, I want it to be the Spirit. I want it to be the scripture. Because when it whips you, you're going to have to do something with it. Amen? As long as I'm implying the blows, you can what? Say, well, that's just that Bruce. That's just the way he is. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour he does not know. Those who have put off the warning, those who silence their own conscience, one day the warnings will stop. I'm telling you. Now that's a scary place to get. If you get to the place that you don't remember the last time that God convicted you of a sin, it's probably a scary spot. That's when you need to invoke that scripture. Search me, O oh God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. 
and see if there be any wicked way. Are you with me? It's a scary thing to think that God has turned me loose. Matter of fact, in the last couple of days, the one that he's told me now I'm going to have to deal with, I just said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're still showing me my sinfulness. Hmm. Sufficient warning. Are y'all with me? I, I, I promise you. I know all of you well enough to know. You have had sufficient warning. There is a judgment coming. I will stand before God in judgment. I must be watching for His return. I must be ready. The awfulness of the doom. He will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. That probably speaks of something trying to be double-minded in the world. You've already been cut in half. You're trying to be of the world and of the Lord. It's pro- it's, there's probably, I'm sure Spurgeon could tell us real clearly about this analogy of you're already cut in half when you're double-minded. Trying to keep a foot in the world and keep one in, in, in the Lord's kingdom. Cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. You know that's not the place you want to go, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. Two things, eternal death. Deuteronomy 29, 21. And the Lord will sing him out from all the tribes of Israel for calamity in accordance with all the curses of the covenant written in this book of the law. He'll be cut down to the ground. Job eighteen fourteen. He is torn from the tent in which he trusted and brought to the king of terrors. He will face eternal death and judgment in an eternal hell. Eternal damnation is the second thing. Verse 51, And will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. There's a place of everlasting misery in another world. In that place there are fire, worms, weeping, and gnashing of the teeth. That is not the place that anybody wants to go. God's indignation and wrath for an eternity. And the only way that will allow us to escape from that is for us to put all our faith, hope, and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, His works, His death, His perfection, His righteousness, and be about living a godly and holy life is the way that we know that we're headed in that right direction. Number two, this place is for those whose sin fitted them for such a place. You know what our sin does? Unconfessed, unrepented of, prepares us for that place. Readiness readies us for that place. The Savior will be the judge then. That one that died on the cross will be the judge then. All who reject Him will get their due portion. And three, it's the proper place of hypocrites. The place for those who have a form of religion, but no change of heart. Next week, I'm going to preach on 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that new creation was quite drastically different than the old creation. There will be a great change. And what that means is that there's been power that made that change, 
and there's that power that continues to bring about that change, and that's called sanctification. So, individuals who exhibit no change, did you hear me? If you're the same way you were five or six years after, quote, you got saved, or after you've said a prayer, if you're the same person five years later that exhibits no change, you have a serious problem. I'm a new creation. Fathers and mothers who neglect the spiritual well-being of the family. Ministers who fleece the sheep. Ministers who neglect to feed the, the sheep. They'll get their proper place. Wicked ministers will be there. Wicked ministers are the worst of hypocrites. Those who live in sin and neglect the power of God for godliness and holiness, they deserve to be there. Those who live in sin and trample on the blood of Jesus by their sinfulness deserve to be there. Let them that preach to others fear, lest they too be cast away. So here's the closing. Oh God, keep me and Tom and Pablo leading the flock as we anticipate your return. Oh God, let me and Harold and Vincent and James and Randy and Monty and Jeff and others that we know love and support and continue to preach the gospel and feed the sheep. I'm telling you, I'm begging you. We need your daily prayers. We are sinful men. We are attacked daily. Oh God, keep the sheep and keep the wise and faithful servants and save the wicked servants and those that are hypocrites in our midst. Today, oh God, we know there are servants out there that are wicked. Oh God, grant them repentance and save their souls, oh God. Oh God, today, work the work of salvation in those who are lost before it is eternally too late.